Welcome back to Corner Sewing on the Go. Sorry I missed last week. Gavin was sick with some hand, foot, and mouth. And despite being home all week and despite not feeling well, the dude kept me busy. Uh, we put out mulch. We did yard work. We played games. I, the dude kept me busy. And uh, so I was unable to uh, put together the midweek resources last week and had to take some sick time last week as well, but I'm glad to be back with you and thank you once again for taking your time out of the week uh, to uh, to seek the Lord and to be in His Word together as we continue these 52 major stories of the Bible um, in order to be able to put together the, the main narrative, uh, the main storyline of the Bible. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 23 uh, verses 1 through 6, and before now we get started, well, I'm just going to start by reading the chapter together. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this week. The Lord is my shepherd, David said, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I was preparing this week, I was just kind of curious because with it being Psalm, 23 is the Song of David. It's a, a Hebrew work of poetry, if you will, that David writes. And so you could do a virtual dive um, <laughs> via the internet, via Google search to see what songs are considered to define your generation. For me as a millennial, uh, somebody born between 1981 and 1996, the artists that provided the background uh, playlist for our adolescent years range from the Spice Girls, <laughs> Not so much my playlist, but let's be honest, they were around. Uh, the Spice Girls, uh, Bleak 182, Nelly, um, and then you can kind of skip because man, that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of years right there, 81 to 96, and then you come to Taylor Swift and Jack Drake, they kind of come along outside of my adolescent years. But we see that it was a variety of artists, and if you did a quick search and come across these artists and the songs that are said to kind of define our generation, many of you, at least around my age, would be like, yep, I remember that. Yeah, I cruised to that. Yeah, I had that on my playlist, you know, different things like that. Well, back then we burnt CDs or uh, recorded the music off the radio with a cassette tape. But anyways, you get what I'm saying. Now, if the names of these artists are just about as familiar to you as the Do My Language, and you're like, well, what's the Do My Language? Uh, it's a language in which only seven people speak <laughs> worldwide. Uh, so out of a seven billion uh, people population on the planet, only seven people speak the uh, Dumi language. Uh, and so if the artist kind of steps back that I use to define my generation are about as familiar as the Dumi language, that's okay because your generation Right was probably defined by a whole lot of other different artists and songs. But, and if you were to tell me those, I'd probably 
share that same experience that you just did with my generation's playlist um, being like the Doomy language, right? With that being said, some songs resonate with each generation, but some songs transcend the ages. Things like our national anthem, Christmas songs and melodies, happy birthday, right? Transcends the generations. Then you've got your artists who are timeless. You've got Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. I'll throw in Leonard Skinner and even Michael Jackson, just to name a few. And as we turn our attention to Psalm chapter 23 this week, it's a psalm by David. And this psalm has transcended and continues to transcend the ages. In fact, people that don't attend church regularly have even heard at least part or all of Psalm 23. It's a popular passage at funeral services. You see it while watching movies. It's been including in secular songs. So this is a familiar song, and it's been around for generations. But for those of us who are part of God's flock, those of us who are his sheep, God's sheep, the Song of David, while well known by many, can define our lives and provide a comforting and encouraging playlist for us as we see how our good shepherd cares for and protects us as the sheep of his pasture. Now, we're not sure when David wrote this top hit, but we know that as a good shepherd in his younger years, remember he fought off the bears and the lions, and because of that, he had faith that God would also deliver the Philistine as well. He was a good shepherd, and as he is able to make this comparison to the Lord, And in his relationship with the Lord, we understand that David sees the Lord his God as his loving shepherd, as a shepherd who is present with him and who is always watching over him. The truths about God in Psalm 73 that David experienced are still true about him today. And he, as our good shepherd, will do the same things that he did for David for us. His Spirit will give us a deeper appreciation, I pray, this week for His gracious works and provision in our life as we explore Psalm 23 together. And this will be for our well-being and it will be ultimately for His glory. So after defeating Goliath, David's life continued like on an upward spiral. He married Saul's daughter. He became good friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, and was a victorious commander in the army of Israel. Things began to turn for David, however, when Saul became jealous of David. Saul's envy of David was so great that he attempted to kill David, and when he couldn't do it on his own, he began to plot and scheme on how he could rid David from this planet. Getting wind of Saul's plans and his bent on removing him from being a threat to the kingdom and the throne, David takes off into the wilderness. And while in the wilderness, people begin to gather to him. In fact, the men that gather to him are described as part of the lower ranks of society, if you will. And yet these same men would become known as David's mighty men of valor. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see... Another instance in David's life, 
After several years of playing a life-or-death game of hide-and-seek with the green-eyed Saul, David takes off into hiding and partners with the Philistines. And in Psalm, I mean not Psalm, but in 1 Samuel chapter 29, we see that the Philistines go to David and his men and say, hey, listen, as we go and we fight against Saul and his army, we don't want you to go with us because we're afraid that you might turn on us in mid-battle and try to win Saul's approval back. So we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. So the Philistines send David and his men home only to find that as they return home, their city has been burnt to a crisp. The Amalekites had raided and torched their city and taken captive their wives and their children. The grief and anger of David's men was so great against him that David became greatly distressed. He was very troubled, and his men even contemplated stoning him to death. So what did David do? What would you have done? What would I have done if we were David? One, I think I probably tried to have defended myself against the anger and the accusations that may have been hurled against me. Might have I, might have I become angry with God or said, or at least would have vented toward God. Maybe even possibly quit. I mean, think about what is going through David's mind. You know, God, listen. I've, I've been faithful. I've, I've not killed Saul. I've not left in my hand against your anointed one. I'm doing my best. I'm being patient. And yet this is what I get in return. But yet this is not what David does at all. Instead, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, that in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of these insults or anger or blame being thrown against David, David goes and he strengthens himself in the Lord. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 7 through 8, we see that he seeks God's direction. And once receiving God's direction, he acts upon that and he goes and pursues the Amalekites. And we see that God delivers them over to him and his men and that all the wives and all the children are rescued What causes David to respond in this way? How does he respond in faith once again in the midst of this great crisis and great loss? Psalm chapter 23 tells us why he does. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the most important idea or theme in the Hebrew poetry or in a Hebrew poetry uh, work is that the most important piece of the poem is placed in the middle. So with that being said, when you look at Psalm chapter 23 in Hebrew, the very center portion of the psalm are these words. We see them in the middle of verse 4. And it says, For you are with me, or as the New Living Translation says, You are close beside me. In other words, the main thrust of David's poem, of his psalm here in chapter 23, is that God is present, that God is with him. And because of that, David knew he could go to the Lord for strength. 
that he could go to the Lord for direction, and that he could have a peaceful confidence during this crisis. Why? Because he knew that God was near. He knew that he was close enough for him to draw near and to be in his presence and to seek him and his wisdom and his peace and his presence. Just like a good shepherd is present with a sheep so that they're not in need of anything, David saw the Lord as his shepherd being present And despite the bleak circumstances, he knew that he could turn to him and in him find everything that he needed for the challenge at hand. As we look at chapter 23, let's see how God cared for David and how he now desires to care for us as our good shepherd. In Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. David uses the personal and covenant name of God in the psalm. He sees Jehovah as his shepherd and himself as one of his sheep. Now, David's description of this personal or individual relationship with the Lord would have truly grabbed the ears of David's contemporaries. There was a great understanding and acceptance of God being the nation's shepherd But there wasn't so much of a focus placed on a personal relationship with the Lord, or as David puts it, the Lord is my shepherd. But David understood the Lord as being his shepherd, as well as over the entire flock, the entire nation of Israel. But he also saw God God as the shepherd of each sheep, each citizen, that made up this great country. Shepherds knew their sheep, and each sheep knew their shepherd, and there was a unique bond between each sheep and the shepherd. And David saw the similarity in his relationship with God. Since David knew that God was his ever-present shepherd, he needed nothing and desired nothing. David was content with his shepherd's presence and his shepherd's provision. No matter the abundance or the scarcity David experienced throughout his lifetime. In fact, David would agree with the lyrics from the following song, Every Need Supplied. The chorus goes like this, Every need supplied, every need supplied. Healing, cleansing, sweet peace inside. Every need he supplied. The author of Hebrews also advises us not to find contentment in money or possessions, but in the truth that our God is always with us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 tells us, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see that David's relationship with a good shepherd, as seen in in Psalm 23, the psalm lyrics of every need supplied, and then scripture, like Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, remind us that Jesus by himself can satisfy and that he will provide for all of our needs according to his wisdom and his great riches. But the question is, and it's one that we have to answer, is Jesus the good shepherd enough for me? Just as the Lord was enough for David, 
Is Jesus, our good shepherd, enough for us? You see, Christ leads us out of empty religion into the lush green and life-giving pastures of relationship with him. He allows us to feast on his nutrient-rich word, refreshing us through it in his Holy Spirit. Just like a good shepherd leads and causes his sheep to lay down in lush pastures and still waters. Just like the Lord led David, Jesus leads us as we draw near to him in prayer, through his word, and through the Spirit's leading. Jesus has promised never to leave us, no, and never forsake us. Even when experiencing death, the doorway that leads us into his presence, he is with us. The one who has removed death's sting and death's power, he protects us from our enemy who desires to scheme and to devour us. He provides healing for us, both spiritually and physically, as well as emotionally in one day by giving us those new bodies that are made possible because of his wounds. And because of his wounds, we are healed. Through Christ, God blesses us, and it's his goodness and his mercy or his covenant love that pursues us every day of our lives until we are with him forever. This is our good shepherd, and he can satisfy every longing and every need and the deepest desires in our life if we will just let him. A few years ago, I found myself on a fraudulent business loan. Not only was I on this loan, but this loan was in default. And I was also still a partner of this hemorrhaging business. I had started mowing on the side to help pay for a lawyer. And at the same time, I was frantically searching for financial records and a digital paper trail on this loan. I called the company and tried to plead my case with which the loan was with. And at this time, a frantic searching and trying to maneuver the situation, I was also furious and fearful. I was enraged that such a close friend would do this to my family and me, and I was afraid of losing our house. Our house was part of the collateral in which allowed the loan to be written and approved. It was during this season that I found myself in one of my quiet times. I was sitting at the dining room table when I felt the Lord ask me this question, one similar similar to what we're discussing today. And that is simply this, am I enough for you? In other words, Thomas, if you were to lose everything, if I didn't intervene in this situation like you feel like I should, are you okay with just me? I can't find my journal from that morning and the scripture focus of that morning that I that I read just escapes my, my mind. This is why it's important to journal. If you don't, and then also if you find yourself journaling, 
that's another good reason um, to have a place in which you keep those journals so that at times like this, you're not like me, and you can look back and remember what specifically the Lord showed you. And even though I can't remember the scripture, I can still remember the Lord's presence and his his specificity as he asked me that question. Am I enough for you? All I could do was make this question of his to me my prayer. I wanted him to be enough. I wanted him to satisfy my soul, no matter the outcome of this bleak and painful situation. I tearfully asked the Lord to be enough for me, for him to help me find my supreme peace and delight, not in deliverance from the long, but in the one who has delivered me from the penalty of my sin and who could deliver me from my unrighteous anger and bitterness. I wanted to find rest in him, not just in the justice rendered in my favor through the legal system, but in knowing the one who had justified me for all of eternity before Almighty God. Even if justice was not served in this case on this side of eternity. I wanted to be free from the fear of losing a home that was merely temporary. Because the one who had made his home in me was not moving out. He would not forsake me during this time. And from that morning on, while my emotions often needed sanctifying, (laughs) it took a long time for my emotions to catch up to my heart's desire and my mind's decision and what I knew to be clear from God's word. I continued to have to ask him to, to submit those emotions to his words and to his spirit. And despite my struggle with my emotions, I was at peace. I was at peace with whatever the outcome would be. I did have a preference. But because the Lord, my good shepherd, heard my cry and answered my prayer, I could rest either way. My heart was settled that he was enough for me. He allowed that to take place in my life, just like he did with David 3,000 years ago. In addition to him answering this prayer, he also delivered my family and me from the situation regarding the loan. I can say without a doubt, through thick and thin, I can testify that his goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And I look forward to the day that I will dwell with him forever. I don't know about you. But if Christ hasn't already formed within you the mindset and the heart attitude that Christ is enough, that our good shepherd can satisfy, that he is all we need in times of abundance or scarcity, I pray that you would make the following words from the song every need supplied your prayer and if you can truly say like david the lord is your shepherd 
and you shall not want. You have all that you need. You lack nothing. Then will you make this your anthem? One of the choruses, or I guess maybe a bridge, I'm not sure. I'm not musically inclined. But to the song, Every Need Supplied, is this. He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. He satisfies my need supply. Jesus is all that I need. If you'd like, you can go to the blog, morethansundaymornings.com, and, and kind of see the scripture references that are referenced to throughout this week's scripture, but then also to at the end of the blog. Uh, there's just a couple of songs for you to use as worship or to use as prayers as we seek Christ's sufficiency in meeting every need as our Good Shepherd. Church, again, thank you for hanging out with me this week. I hope that the Lord just takes and uses uh, these times together to nourish you, to challenge you, to encourage you, and to help you become more and more like Christ during our time between Sunday mornings. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time.